podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the post-match show. It's John Gibbons here for the Anfield Wrap, and we are putting this one out for free. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, our partnership with Redsbet allows us to put more stuff out for free this season. So huge thanks to Redsbet for partnering up with us this season on our free content. But also, we want to give you the taste of what's to come and what we do immediately after every single Liverpool game in the hope that some of you haven't quite subscribed yet, haven't made the decision to do so do decide to do so in what is going to be a really exciting end towards the season, we all hope, and it was an exciting game, Dan Morgan, I'm joined by the way by Dan Morgan, by Stu White and by Steve Graves, and it was certainly an exciting game, Dan, I'm not quite sure what to make of it, It was there was a lot going on. It's, um, it's a game that has, for me, turned the screws a little bit in terms of us as Liverpool fans and our perception of Liverpool growing up, and, and especially in the last few years, we can have a little bit of, of doom and gloom about us, John, in a game like this, where we go down early to a goal. And you see on Twitter, I went on Twitter at half time, and there was a few people saying, I think it's just going to be one of those days. I think what you're starting to see with this Liverpool side now is a, is a desire to win games of football, but also um, a DNA in them that is is enabling them to, to find ways to win games of football that don't always have to be um, free-flowing free at a canter and, and by two or three four goals so I think what we're seeing with this side now is the ability to win ugly and, and what that does to other teams and teams around us is destroys their soul in the same way that our soul has been destroyed many times by your Man United of the world growing up so it's it's a, a very big win and I could be overplaying that but I just think that games like that I've seen down the years um, I've seen us will to and I've seen us come to and I've seen us all shrug our shoulders and say it's just one of them but today it's not one of them today Liverpool get the big win that they needed to go into a massive week and and I'm really happy that we, we come away with Sellers Park with three points. Yeah, Steve, there's there's lots to be positive about, isn't there? And there's lots to kind of criticise or, or or get our teeth into as well. And, and we'll do that kind of throughout the show. But from a positive point of view, as Dan says, it's a win from behind, which is a difficult thing to do away from home. I don't care, you know, who you who you're playing in Palace have got I've got plenty about them. So it's a win from behind. It's it's a win when you haven't played at your best, but and it's also showing quality at key times and I think that winning goal is not just a big goal for the season it's a really well worked goal and it's a goal that there's not many football clubs throughout this country who are capable of scoring capable of scoring that goal and, and at that time and having the, the composure I mean it, in real time it looks a little bit scruffy and then when yeah. you watch it again you realise it, it could have been scruffy if Salah tries to finish it first time and, he, and he's got that, that presence of mind and the wherewithal not only to know that that's how he's going to score but also to know that there's there could be another chance to come, I think, that it didn't feel like the side as a whole panicked because we get that chance there and I think we felt like the, the, we were we were turning the screw and we were able to, to to feel like this team just has chances in it and we'll, we'll, we'll take a chance at some point and it, you've got the whole, you've got the whole of 90 plus whatever's added to, to do that in. I felt, I think, we were talking about the, um, the half-time reaction, it didn't, to me, it, it didn't feel like those kind of away games that you've gone to. I mean, think about Watford early in, in Klopp's reign where Liverpool have literally everything's gone wrong. You know, one thing's gone wrong and then and then just so collapsible. You can you can concede two or three goals or even at least two or three chances just in quick succession um, after conceding a goal away from home. And, and Liverpool have, have done that too many times. Uh, it doesn't feel like that team anymore. It doesn't feel like that's what's going to happen. I, I think had that been nil nil at half time. I think anyone could have argued it was an un- it would have been you know unfair or unexpected 
for, for that to be the case. And then Liverpool just could quite easily have gone out and, and won the game in, in the way that they did, but without having conceded that goal earlier. Reminded me of quite a few of the home games sort of around the pre-Christmas period when people were, were fuming at halftime and we were nil-nil and, you know, how can't we break the Huddersfield mm-hmm. down? And then, and then we just did. And I think it, it felt like that. Albeit, I think Palace, are, you know, while not a good team, are a team with a lot of good players in. And you saw, you saw some of that today and, and good players will will at times put you under pressure, will at times have opportunities and chances, but Liverpool just had better ones. Jürgen Klopp's come out after the game, Stuart said it's a dirty win, but sometimes the dirty ones are the most enjoyable. And it does kind of feel like a bit like that, doesn't it? I don't think we'd be sat here quite as kind of giddy if it was a bit after a after a two, three nil kind of routine. It was it was a game where, you know, it was quite a celebration when we scored. The end looks fantastic. And to be fair, it was it was it was pretty good in the pub we were in as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I think I, I enjoyed the winner and I enjoyed the final whistle. I don't know how much of the, uh, the the ninety minutes, ninety four minutes, I managed to enjoy. To be honest, because it what it was, you know, he said there is a day. It was a dirty, a dirty kind of win, and you can't really argue with that. It's and as the lads have already said, it's the, it's the type of game that we've we've seen Liverpool struggle with in, in the past. You know, I remember I remember Klopp making a statement not long after he came in about how he he dragged the opposition down to our level and then you know battered them or whatever. Um, and it felt like today that the Palace had, had dragged us down in certain phases of the game down to their level and our passing was a bit off. And But there was some hurdles that we had to overcome there. There were some psychological blows that the lads, they, they showed a calmness and a belief that, that was stronger than mine, you know, watching on the big screen. It was far stronger than mine. And I, I think that, that shows that shows a... And in a strength that they've been questioned about on several times before. And I, I, I don't know why that is. I don't know why we seem to have overcome that. Some people have said the addition of Van Dijk. I'm not sure that was that. That's it today. Um, but I, th- I think we've also got to acknowledge that we've we, we, we've ridden a bit there today. There's been some moments there, like with Ben Seke, for example, where things could have gone against us, but we've managed to stay in the game by hook or by, by crook. We've managed to stay in it, and then you know when it's when the call has been to to be the most decisive uh, players on the pitch, we've we've taken that opportunity. So, um, yeah, it's it's listen three points on the board. That's all. When you come away from a game like that, that's all that matters. Three points, and as you said before, it's a hammer blow to the psychology of uh, of our rivals watching yeah. that today. It feels like one Dan does, isn't it? Where we we were talking about it, where you watch Man United last couple of weeks and and they're not great and they get the win. You're like, oh, it's t-, you know, it's typical of them. I was talking in the pub with you about a few games that Man City played over Christmas where they were struggling a little bit of performance, probably the one stage of the season where they have, but they get a couple of late winners and, and, and do it. And, and that's what every other fan's thinking of us this, you know, today, isn't it? It's like, oh, have, have they got away with that one or have they done that one? But it is the sign of a, not necessarily a good football team, but a football team that's got something about them that we're able to do that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the, the importance of staying in a game, um, there's a lot of fruit here in that this this Liverpool team have in the past you feel of let a game slip away from them and I just think now they've got a little bit more nous about them and I think the perception of them externally has changed so I think the perception of them around the country like you say John has changed from different clubs and different fans and from people in football in general and I think that the perception that this Liverpool team are never out of a game is something that's very important and it's something that's shown through today. And for me today, um, 
there was a lot of things that we we weren't doing great, um, and it felt like a lot of players needed to just do their basic, their most basic things for 10, 20 minutes to get to get themselves back to where they needed to be. And I think a big thing today for me is is the concept of rhythm and. Klopp references rhythm all the time and the, the the notion that rhythm is so important and you've seen today how something like an international break can break that rhythm up but in the past you know you can you can come back from international breaks and you can lose a game or draw a game and have a setback which can turn into two three four games this Liverpool side again today finds a way to win and now this game will be as Stu says just just cast off as another three points in a game we've won but what it is not is it's not the start of are Liverpool going to crumble in the last quarter or the last eight games of their season? Is this Liverpool side got got, got enough bottle to to carry through what they, they they've been doing for the rest of the season? It's all those questions don't get asked because Liverpool have found a way to win today, and I think that's very important. That as it's been mentioned, when we're not when we're not at our free flowing be- best, we still find a way to get over the line. Okay, let's just, let's analyze the the game then as it goes in a bit more detail, and I want to talk about not just the the opening goal, Steve, but also that there's a chance just before it, which is fairly similar, and, and that Zaha is finding joy down this avenue between the fullback and the centre half in a very similar way to to what uh, Marcus Rashford was able to do in, in the Man United Liverpool game. I'm interested in your opinion, and you don't necessarily have to have a solution because I don't. And I'm surprised how many people on on on, on Twitter and social media were saying do because it, it seems to me that opposition clubs are getting a lot of joy there. It's a channel between the fullback and the centre half, and I'm not sure exactly what's going wrong. And it seems to me it's too easy to say, well, it's the fullback, it's the fullback because he's running off him. But if someone's making that run, then it is hard to defend against. And that's not to say we shouldn't be doing better, but. What is it do you think that, that we're doing wrong in those situations that, that's a, a, as well as good play by opposition? What is it do you, do you think that we're doing it? You know, who's who's at fault? Who should be doing more? Is it is it a collective thing or is it an individual thing, do you think? I mean, you're right to say it's like it's not enough to observe things these days. You like you have to then have some kind of solution, otherwise your your opinion's somehow not valid. I think, <laughs> like, you know, football managers and, and, and so on, that's their jobs. Yeah. Um, I think the, it's it's an obvious thing to say that sides are looking to target Alexander-Arnold. I don't think it's about him necessarily. I think it's it's what you do, and we've seen it a million times. We've seen David Moyes come to Anfield and, and put Lukaku wide right in order to target Moreno that time, and Moreno dealt with it really well. Um, we've seen players like Ali Sissoko be targeted, because generally speaking, they're going to be, going to be either your less able players on the ball, or in the case of Alexander-Arnold, who's actually a very able player on the ball, a player who... A player who's inexperienced, who's you know played what fewer than twenty five games probably for Liverpool. Um, it's Neil's thing of you have to target somewhere as well, don't you? If you're not, you have to target somewhere exactly. And you look in inside, and there's the most expensive centre back in the world. Um, I'm saying that yes, he is, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> in the world inside. Um, so you think, well, we're not. You know, we're gonna we're gonna look wide. Funnily enough, our best our best footballer has just come back from injury, and we're made up to have him. Um, I actually thought Saha played pretty poorly on the ball, um, particularly second half, but mitigating factors in terms of his, his injuries and stuff. He didn't look fit. Did he? he didn't. He didn't look anywhere close, did he? Um, but it, it, it was the obvious thing to do. If you ask me, how am I going to set up against Liverpool if I've got Christian Benteke and I've got a wide a wide forward who can play off the left? That's how I'm going to set up against Liverpool. It's assessment to how well Robertson's played that sides have basically given up on trying to do that one, which they were trying to do earlier in the season. 
it's it's a real challenge. It would be a real challenge, I think, if, if Nathaniel Klein started the game. You'd also have looked at Klein as, as the person to target in that game for other reasons, for his fitness and stuff like that. Gomez is still in that in that kind of mould as well. You know, he's he's an England international, but he's he's still a, a young player who, again, you look at Liverpool's eleven and you go, well, that, that's the area we might get some joy. So, it's it's unfair, I suppose. It's, I mean, the whole the way the whole game the game starts with the dice loaded against Alexander Arnold, I suppose, is is what I'm trying to say. And that, that a, a whole football team is doing everything it can to expose you. One time in ten, that will happen. They'll they'll and they'll try more than ten times probably if if, if they get enough of the ball. Um, that said, I think it has to be a learning experience for him. I think it was brave, and I think probably we'll come on to, to more of the management decision. I think it's one of one of his best in-game management games um, of the whole time that the manager's been here. And I felt like his his sort of bravery, if you like, in in, in not not firstly not looking to, to to hook him in the way that you know some some people would would sort of advocate. You know, the minute a player makes a couple of mistakes, you know, get him to take him off, but but to support him to to let him keep playing his game th- throughout the, the game and then to push him further forward uh, later in the game. And, and, you know, he played a really important part in in what happened and in, in, in sort of put, putting pressure on Palace as we, as we went forward. So I think for a, for a lad of his age, these things will happen. I think there isn't a huge sort of systemic solution. I don't really know what it is. You know, ask Jordan Henderson to be taller than Christian Benteke, maybe. <laughs> when I had a, you know, it, 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 it's not... It's, there isn't some, always a solution to everything. Sometimes there are ways in which other football teams will try and will work out ways to expose you. Um, you. You sort of then hope that your goalkeeper makes the right decisions. I think some people criticise and carry us for, for coming out. Um, Andy Hinchcliffe, who um, don't like to have a go at commentators too often, but he seems to be wrong about everything today um, <laughs> on, on the telly, was you know what, saying he, sh- he shouldn't come out. And, and I, I, I think he should. I, think, I don't think there's much that the goalkeeper can do. Uh, I think you... His decision is is a proactive one. Not long before beforehand, he makes you know a fantastic really save, good save um, yeah. and and later in the game as well, he, he does. You know, he comes out um, the the Benteke chance, which obviously Benteke should score, but the goalkeeper plays some kind of role, presumably in putting him off by coming out. Um, I don't know. I think Benteke is putting himself off now. Um, basically, Alexander Arnold will be fine, and I think the idea that I, I don't see what the alternative is other than having. A, you know, a 28-year-old Alexander Arnold playing there, and then, and that's not happening just now. Um, Klein isn't fit at the minute. The, the, it's just one of them. It's one of those situations where Liverpool having to having to play a player who's not quite as ready as you'd like him to be in a position which isn't one of the absolute key positions. It's going to get exploited sometimes. The rest of the team's good enough to paper over the cracks a little bit, and that's fine. And he'll learn. Is is the alternative, Stu? That we just help him out there a little bit more than that. Um, I'm wondering, are they targeting a player or are they targeting a space? Because he's not getting done one-on-one loads, by the way. Zaha's a little go today. I'm not, he's a really good footballer, but it's not like, you know, he's, he's not, he's not getting rinsed on, on the ball and stuff. He can, he can, he can deal with his one-on-one battles. It's a, it's an area, isn't it? That he's maybe not alive enough to, but then it's a space between fullback and centre-half and there's, and that's two positions. And whoever's playing right side and it was Lovren against Man United and it was Matip today, is that person, does he need to think, look, they're targeting a space there and maybe Trent isn't alive to some of these situations as much as he should be, but maybe it's up to me to try and help out a kid here. And I don't, I'd like to see, as I say, I'm, I'm not quite sure the solution and, 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 and Steve's mentioned that there, but if I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm not centered off, I'm going into a game thinking they're going to target that space. I've got a young lad next to me. Maybe, maybe, maybe I could help him out a little bit more. 
I think a few things here. I think I think yes, they're targeting a space, but I also think the target targeting inexperience. If, Hodgson today has tried to replicate, and he's done it successfully with that goal, the Mourinho's tactic. It's come straight from the goal kick, and what they've done, what they've lined, what they've they've done, they've tried to stretch Trent as far out as he possibly can wide. Zaha's yeah. position from the from the goal yeah. kick has been really wide, and he's taken the fullback with him. And I think, I think then coming away from now, we've seen it happen twice in a, in a matter of weeks. I think that. Um, the bigger question is what do they learn from it on the training ground I think it's also got to come from coaching I think there's yes there's a question you know could the more experienced centre-halves be having a conversation but I also think now there's a wider question that, that Liverpool need to be equipped for when coming up against a fast wide forward again and a big man up front if a team does try to do this maybe we need to set up from the goal kicks particularly in the first half a bit narrower just, just so we feel a bit more comfortable let's not get dragged out I also think that um when we play Milner in the midfield three in one of the wide midfield three, I, I actually think the one of his greatest assets in playing there is actually he can offer protection to yeah. the fullback. And he, he started out uh, on the, the, the left-hand side today. So if you like, offering that protection to Robertson, who, as we've said at the moment, probably doesn't need it. I think there was an argument to say he could have been playing on the other side. He could have been. If anyone's going to talk Trent through there as well and help him out, yes, he's not going to win that header. He's not going to be competing for that. Jordan Henderson's going for that. But maybe maybe he's a little bit of... Because there was a few times where I felt in that first half where it was noticeable they were trying to double up on him. And I think he could have he could have experienced greater support from Milner than, he, than what he was getting from Genie. I think part of the, the Milner playing left thing was literally, literally, conversely, we were looking, I think, to have a go at Wan-Bissaka and just see... How good he is! I, 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 I totally him. agree. I'm only getting a lot of joy. Yeah, and does him for the goal. You know, and I thought that played well, quite well actually. He's good for I do, I do totally agree with that. I do totally agree with that. The problem as a young fullback is really hard. I do, I do think that the the management have to think about that. There's a balance to be struck there, and I I worry for. I see what, hey, what you were saying before, Steve, about Trent's going to be fine, and he will be fine, and we've all got every confidence he's going to go on and hopefully have a great career for Liverpool. But as much as I hear people saying at the moment, oh, he's a young player, you know, give him a break, blah, blah, blah. I also have to, I also think that we need to remember he's a young player and is therefore vulnerable. Vulnerable not only physically, but also mentally. And I've seen players go through patches like this and struggle to shake the tag in the future. I've seen players, you, you, you know, we can talk about Moreno and the Lovins of this world all day and actually maybe they struggle to shake the tag because they're not good enough. Maybe, I don't know. But, but I'm looking at Trent at the moment and if he is being targeted, by the opposition and there's no two ways about it you can see that that that, that is a likelihood at the moment <clears throat> if he is being targeted then therefore the, the risk of him making more mistakes is higher because he's, he's having to defend more yeah. he's getting put in those challenging positions more so I think that there's a there's a couple of things Liverpool need to think about that tactically but there's also so a shout and it's really bad timing at the moment because of Gomez's injury and clients only just coming back but I think there's also an argument of it might not be a bad idea to take this lad, this lad out the spotlight sometime soon. Just give him a break because he's a young lad. He's played, you know, a huge amount of games this season. And what you don't want to do is put him in a situation at the, at the uh, at this end of the season where you could scar him. And I don't want that to happen. You know, that's what I'm as much as okay on on Tuesday. I'm I'm a little bit worried about him up against Sane perhaps. Wednesday. But uh, Wednesday, sorry. But I'm also worried for him. Do you know what I mean? And there's a there's a subtle difference there. I'm, I'm worried about the, the long term impact if he got you know if if he has a, another game where he's targeted and he and he comes out the wrong end of that. 
I think it's sorry, John. I think no, it's right. important to remember though, just you know how much we ask from our fullbacks. Yeah, and you know it, this isn't like a Mourinho side where he's got a player who he's got a right winger who plays basically ten yards, fifteen yards away from him. It's not like you know he's he's not he's not playing. He's not even playing with a winger. He's, he's, he's basic, his next line of cover is an inside forward who is either Mane or Salah and you know their, their priority isn't getting back and helping him out or even you know you win Aldemar or Milner their, their priority isn't shifting over to him so I think we've seen from last season just how much it took out to a player like Milner how hard it is I think I think slightly disagree with Steve I think it's one of our most important positions in terms of how much we ask our, our full-backs to do and how many different coats we ask them to wear during the game and he will notably get things wrong and it's a learning curve and it comes back to the, the age-old question of if, if we're going to allow these players, if we want these players to be in, if we want to breed young players, if we want a system where we, we get players from the academy to come up and make the step, then we have to give them time to to embed themselves and make mistakes and, that, and that'll happen. But, you know, he's, I think he's doing fine and I think what really impressed me today was his mentality after the goal puts a couple of, couple of great balls in he finishes it, you know. the game really strongly as yeah, well I think it's a really important position um, you know, I think that it, but when you look at through our side you know apart from sort of like the goalkeeper and those two players you know between them have cost eight, 12 million quid yeah. you know fullback. so you, you've got to have a little bit of that in, in, in mind that you've got world class players backed up by players who are for different reasons not quite at that level um, and I think Alexander Arnold's got the potential to, to go to to go to the very top. Yeah, yeah. I think where I, I sort of I understand Stu's point, but I also think that the manager shows complete faith in him. He's got the experience now of, of that happening and him coming through it. Uh, I think City away was was a real was was a real low where, where you know they they really targeted him. But he's got he's got that experience today of of things not going perfectly right, but the rest of the team and him being really involved as as dragged it round. Um, I think that's really important, and I think. That individually for a lot of these footballers it's really important to just win games and we talked about some of the young players who've come through in the past someone like John Joe Shelby who I've got plenty of reasons to criticise generally but he, he, he didn't have any kind of experience or like muscle memory of winning games for Liverpool because he was just in that period um, playing loads and loads of games particularly you know sort of second season Dalglish when, when Liverpool you know couldn't, couldn't buy a win in the second half of the season and he didn't have that experience of what it takes to win a game what it takes to close out a game, but what it takes also to turn one round, and, and this is absolutely invaluable experience, I think, for for Alexander Arnold right now. That's the thing with this manager, though, isn't it? He won't model Caldier in any way. No, he won't. He won't give you a player who can go and sit next to you for ten minutes or twenty minutes. He'll he'll make you get on with it if, as long as it's not to the detriment of the team. If you know, if you're not, you could do the Marino thing and say to Salah, keep an eye on this lad for a while, and yeah. then maybe Salah doesn't pop in the box and score the the, the winner for you. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's, it's a trust in his players. Yeah, isn't it? you know, either of those points are arguable. I think that's fine. You know, sometimes there isn't a 100 percent right solution. Okay, um, a couple of other things from the the general game I want to talk about. Uh, I come to you first, Stu, in that I don't think the central midfield free worked in terms of the balance of it. I was worried a little bit about it before the game, so maybe this is me kind of putting my own kind of prophecy on it. But I mean it's mainly Wijnaldum really who I think kind of struggles today and there's a general pattern we all know about of him struggling in away games and struggling in certain games. It wouldn't surprise you at all for him to start against Man City on Wednesday and have a brilliant game. Uh, I know he's he's been unwell as well, so we need to kind of factor that in but 
he got half an hour in and Craig Cannon said to me, Oh, I didn't even realise when Alden was playing and there's there's a little bit too much of that. I know I know not everyone everything a footballer does is is you know easy to see. There's people doing quiet work, there's people doing unseen work, but I just wish for him in particular that he'd do a little bit more than I could that I could kind of throw me at on at the moment. Yeah, and I actually think last year it was a bit more binary in terms of his performances at home were largely really, really good and his performances away were, you know, he was a bit bit more invisible. Whereas this season, um, I think there's been a drop-off overall, to be yeah. honest, in his performance, home or away. Um, but yeah, I mean, he struggles most of all away from home. Um, and I just didn't think that we had any thrust and, and any dynamism in that central area. And I think if you're playing Milner and Henson, which I, I think actually with was the right call, um, then I think you do need a more dynamic presence alongside them. And, you know, when the game did shift later on and we we, we had uh, we had Oxley Chamberlain in the middle, I thought he came on and played. And I know I'm jumping ahead here, but but it's it's I think it's it's relevant when talking about Genie that I think it was noticeable the impact that that, that Oxley Chamberlain had when he came on. I thought he did really well and he's he just, good for the goal as well. Good he, for the he is yeah. he, he was offering that outlet. He was willing to run with the ball. He was very, very positive on the ball. And Genie just <laughs> it just all seemed a bit passive you know um, I mean there was plenty of times where I did see him you know tracking back and whatever but actually having a having a, a forward impact on the game I, I, I'm not I'm not really sure so I think I think when you with our three I think we've got some real good choices uh, largely particularly when everyone's fit I do think we've got some real good choices in midfield but I also think that the the you can't just throw any three. I think you've always got to think about the mix, and I'd always like to see a player who can who can who can carry it or can lead the press and offer something a little bit different. A la Lalana, um, and if if he's not there, then then uh, maybe Oxley Chamberlain. Um, but I think you know there was it was just that risk today of being a bit flat in there, and we needed someone against against a deep lying team who were willing to just put everyone back. You needed someone who was willing to break lines. You needed someone in the central areas who was willing to take someone on, um, beat a man, and, and break lines. And it, it all it all seemed just a little bit um, like we were playing within lines instead of between them. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, Steve, that me and Stu are a little, being a little bit harsh on James Milner here because he he gets forward really well. He pops up in some really interesting positions, and he seems to he seems really good, James Milner, at working opposition out and, and not just that, but working out where are the gaps, where are the holes and I'll get in there. So maybe he's an attacking midfielder and we just don't think of him as one because he's he's not quite, you know, he's, he's famously not very glamorous. But but I think generally speaking, I'd have liked a more attacking option in there as well. And I don't know whether he's got his eye on City and things like that, but I just saw that midfield free and tour. That's maybe putting a bit too much impetus on our front free to, to do all our hard work for us up front. Yeah, I mean, I think if if Jan is fit, then it feels like you're more likely to have seen Oxley Chamberlain playing in there. I'm not sure about Oxley Chamberlain's fitness being quite 100%. Uh, I think by now, as well, you could see, you can still see some of the effects. He looks a little bit heavier footed. The ball, the ball sticks with him when it when it um, would normally sort of run through him into you know into one of the forward players, and, and then we're on the move. I felt like, <laughs> I think you're right in that it's really interesting to see this player that you've. You bought who we all sort of felt, at least from highlights, as was kind of like a late arriving third man run kind of yeah. number eight and a bit who, who pops up and, and scores. You know, he scored four in a game um, in in for Newcastle. You know, he's, he's that kind of that kind of goal scoring midfielder. And then you see in this transition, and he's been tried a little bit at number six, and then he, he sort of falls in between 
two stools a lot of the time. You, there's no kind of fixed position, and I think coming on to Milner, it kind of suits Milner not to have a fixed position because kind of wherever he is on the pitch, he, he does sort of work out. He's got really great awareness. Um, you know, I think today Milner you saw a couple of times, literally just his technical. Um, his passing has let him down, and it, you know he's 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 picked out there, man. One in particular, which which opened up a real yeah. opportunity for Palace. So you know, if you're Wijnaldum, you're probably pointing at that and going, "Well, I'm not doing that." Um, <laughs> but there's there's a couple of times, and there's a couple of times when he's just not quite got the breaks. There's one where where he, he sort of turns and he's got the whole pitch in front of him, and then the ref pulls the game back, and you you could see that he was he was fuming with that, and I think he was a little bit unhappy with his own performance. It, it seemed like his whole body language um, looked looked a little bit like that, a little bit flat and a little bit down. Um, but th- these things do do come and go. I, it, it, it's it's a concern as you sort of look towards the summer when a huge, you know, hugely expensive and, and hugely highly valued midfielder is coming into the squad. You wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool signs another one, and he begins to look like the odd man out. But that said, you wouldn't you wouldn't rule him out having a, a, a terrific game against City in in midweek. Um, so. In terms of, and you know, again, looking at what the manager could have done differently, he, he, I suppose he could have picked Oxley Chamberlain. I don't think, you know, he, he would have felt that Lallana was was ready, and you can see from from Lallana coming on and the, and the injury happening, it was desperately unfortunate for him. Um, you could have done Oxley Chamberlain. I think he will be really tempted to do Oxley Chamberlain against City, particularly given that he did do really well against them as well in the, in the league. Okay, I want to focus on on three players now in particular because. Um, yeah, they, they all have interesting games for different reasons. And I'll start with you, Dan. I can't believe it's took nearly half an hour, but Sadio Mane has a day, don't he? <laughs> <laughs> he has the day of all days, yeah, doesn't he? He yeah. really does. He plays every type of game. If it was a it. night out, he's copped off, but lost his house keys. <laughs> <laughs> and the mad thing is, he gets hooked on 63. <laughs> he's done everything in 63 He's done it all in an hour. <laughs> done it all in an hour, yeah. Um, I mean, I feel... Do you know what? I feel a bit harsh on him on the penalty. I think I think he's got a case, and it's I think penalty. it's a penalty. Yeah. And and the only way you wait too long. The only way in which it doesn't become a penalty, though, and this is what I'm trying to get to, is that when you watch it on a replay and it's slowed down, because yeah. you're watching and you're going, oh well, he's had a million, he's had a million miles, he's had he's had a hundred minutes to think about it and go down and 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 think about what he's doing. It, it's really fast, and his legs get taken from under him, and there's a split second, a millisecond. Before he decides that you know, decides is the wrong word. You know, he goes down. He, he, his legs go from under him. Maybe it's a bit dramatic. I don't know, but I think he's unlucky with that. Um, the handball is just mad. Yeah. The, um, but I think it's really clever. I it's think not the, that clever. It is because it is because they're in. The ball, know, he's, the he's, ball's he's, taking their player into our penalty box, and he knows what he's doing. And I know what you're saying. It's a, it's a booking all day long, but under any other ref, you probably get the free kick. And and I just think that what I love about Sadio Mane is that he has this steely determination and this steely mentality where he doesn't let anything really affect him and he shows all the time. And for for the game he's had where he's had a penalty not given and a booking, um, a second booking for a handball that never got given and an offside goal, he still manages you know, to to be pivotal to Liverpool getting back in the game and I, I was gutted he went off to be honest I was gutted he got off I understand the concept behind he had to um, because one more foul and their, their crowd were, were baying for blood and stuff but I, I just think that I, I love Sadio Mane I, I can't get enough of him and, and people will say you know he's not the player he was last season but 
you know, we've seen this manager mold players to be different and to do different things. And I, I think he's, I've got no concerns about him at all, John, going forward. I don't think, I don't think he's having a bad season. I get that people say his touch is a little bit off or whatever. I don't care. I don't care that he's not running past his fullback every two seconds. I think he's having a really good season. I think he, he's doing things for this team that aren't always noticed and aren't always recognised, but I think he's pivotal to what we're doing. Player number two I want to talk about, Stu, is Andy Robertson. And I think, look, in many ways, he's, he's, he's got a lovely day because they're just attacking down the other end. So so everything, they're, they're only attacking down the, down the right-hand side. And so he, he must be thinking, well, this is brilliant. No, <laughs> no one's ran at me all day. That said, that said, the fact that he hasn't got any defensive work to do at all, he's just become such a key player for Liverpool. It's unreal. And it's been, you know, a season that, that, that I can't remember many like where a player's been... So out of favour, he's not even on the bench, and you're thinking, well, Jürgen doesn't fancy this fella at all to be now in our one of our top five players every time he seems to take on the pitch, and and today was no different. And I think he's fantastic for the for the second goal, and I completely agree with Steve that it looks like a scrappy goal. Then the more you look at it, the more you realise it's actually not just one but two, three, four lads making really good decisions and making clever decisions as well the easiest thing in the world to do is put your foot through that if you're Andy Robertson and, and, or try and shoot or just kind of smash it it's the 82nd 80, well later than that whatever it is 80 something minute and he's calm he's, he's cu- it's a cushioned volley across the goal to the best player in the league and you think fair play what, what, a, what a few months he's having well left me loads there haven't you? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think if um, I think if this was the Brits, he'd like be uh, breakthrough artist of the year, wouldn't he? You know, he's uh... see, you see, you're fine, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, while they were all going crazy about um, Salah's finish, which was which was great, you know, with the composure he, sh- he showed, that doesn't happen without the awareness that that Robertson shows there. The amount of players, whether it be whether it be experienced or inexperienced, whether it be um, wingers, centre forwards, midfielders, never mind a fullback, that would shoot there. As that ball comes across, they'd see glory, they'd see that volley, they'd think that, you know, this is my Marco Van Basten moment here. You know, shirts coming off, I'm going to be out the stand. But to have that awareness and to lay, you know, that, that there's two players coming in. And to just lay it on a plate the way he did, I mean, having the awareness is one thing, but then to, to execute it on the volley like that is something else. Um, I think he's he's transcending um, the the idea that this is a bit of a bit of a surprise. Now we, we're kind of expecting it. But it's, 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 to be honest, he's one of my first names on a team sheet week in week out now. Um, and aside from the front three, I can't think of too many others that are. Uh, he's at that level of, of season, particularly in the, obviously these last few months. Um, it feels like we've, we've solved a, a really big long-term problem. And it's not just the ball that he put in today, but he was constantly available as an outlet. He was constantly willing to carry the ball and make intelligent decisions, um, lay it off, carry on the run, um, and just and just stretch their back form, give them to something, something to think about whether he was used or not in that move. So, um, yeah, Andy Robertson's biggest fan all day long. And finally, uh, one for you, Steve Mo Salah. Um, he's had better games for Liverpool. He's had games which are more eye-catching. He's had games very recently where he scored four goals, but he gets the winner today. And you know, I don't know what else to say, and I don't want to say too much because 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 Stu told me off for, uh, for, for, for for banging on. So I'll just say to you, Mo Salah, and say what say whatever you want. It is genuinely difficult to add much because 
what what a footballer and it's hard and I've sort of gone down this route before it he's not quite he's not quite a Suarez who's always in the game or even a Mane who for better or worse is kind of always constantly in the game and you can just constantly see. so he's just waiting he's waiting and, and you can have little spells where um, I think, you know, early in this game Mane touches the ball loads and he seems to be involved loads um, before you know before he's properly involved and, and then you don't really see Salah happening and then you don't see it coming and then, and then he's done it and then and it's it's just hard to to quantify it's, it's hard to get your head around the goals he's going to I think he's going to get the highest number of goals that anyone's ever scored in the Premier League season I think that's 34 isn't it yeah um, is that Andy Cole um, he's, he's hasn't he already equaled it for the 38 game no no no, no. Still, still three on is he alright okay. I mean it, it's 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 remarkable the number the numbers just tell the story really and it it's all so much of it is decision making so much of it is you know the, the the Porto goal away is the kind of archetype but this is a kind of a little echo of that goal I think there was it just it falls and, and he waits and he waits and you know the what the came away if you wanted to show people what Salah is you'd probably go beyond the pace you'd go beyond the the sort of trademark shot rifled in, you know, across the um, across the penalty area into the top corner, which he's probably done fewer of than you think. And it'd be that just that that decision making, just just wait, waiting and waiting when he needs to wait, and and finishing it. It it just makes it look so incredibly easy. And at times you can sort of take it for granted a little bit um, because it is it is absolutely not easy at all. It's not. Um, any other business before we go? Again, it's just a bit of Robertson. I thought he. he, he what he showed today as well was a lot of um, he did a lot of centre half type things. So a little bit of function really of the fact that, that Palace were attacking down the left and Townsend barely barely kicked it. Really was he was having to to win headers as the as sort of at the, at the back posts, um, win headers in in, gen, in general play. And he looks like he's it looks like that's been worked on. I just I just think as as a footballer all around he's come on in absolute leaps and bounds. It's it's brilliant to see. Just, just one wiser point on the front three, John. Just, I, I think we're just seeing the next stage. Of, I think you, you referenced this a little bit before, Dan. We're just seeing the next stage of uh, Sadio Mane's evolutions of football under under Klopp, and how that's affecting the whole front three. Because we've said we, we've known all season that we've got a centre forward who's actually more of a nine and a half, false nine, whatever you want to call it, doing bits and bobs all over the show. You've got a, a right winger who's the most centre forwards player I've ever seen in my life. And now you've got a, a left winger who is he's turning into something he's, he's yeah. kind of like a left sided number 10 number 10 yeah. he's, he's dropping off all the time now and, and in a game like today where we were saying that the midfield three were just a little bit flat uh, and a bit rigid and we needed someone to actually play between the lines he's the one who's popping into that space there and coming inside and looking to link the play so I, I, as an opposition when you're looking at our front three I, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know how you because it's the most asymmetrical, odd, weird shape. Where are these lads, where are these lads, going to be? It's not even. It's not. We spoke about fluidity before, and you know, players being interchangeable and all. But it's it's not really that. They're just. It's not that they're they're all interchanging positions. They're just all playing in freak positions. All of, you know, doing weird things. So it must be a bit of a nightmare, really, to to be up against. This is where I think this this management team hold an advantage over other clubs in terms of transfers going forward because I think they have an ability to see a player for what they should be in terms of their evolution and their positional sense, if you like, going forward, whereas other clubs don't have that ability. And if I'm a player in Europe, if I'm a Christian Pulisic, I'm looking at Liverpool going, 
my evolution, my involvement is at that club because that management team, that manager, that club can see how I can see how they can evolve me in that side and how I can go on to the next level. What this club have done with Mohamed Salah can go unrecognised yep. across Europe because I I think that this this is a player who we will worry about him going to Real Madrid or Barcelona or whatever as fans because that's what we do. But it's easy to forget just what this club has done for Mohamed Salah and, and other players. And I think where we hold a massive advantage in the summer is whoever we go for and whoever we identify as a player to come into this Liverpool side, we will have a vision for them as to how we see them evolving over the next two, three years. And I think that's massive because I don't think there's any other club in the league who can do that. Completely agree. Uh, I just want to finish on a little look forward to the Manchester City, which is on Wednesday. And there's going to be much more of this on the Anfield Wrap coming up over the next few days. So I hope you do enjoy that with us. But I'll use the people in the room as they are here on, on to do a little bit of that now, Steve. And I think it's notable, maybe, <laughs> that he finishes with three in the back because I think he's finished a few games at three in the back. And I've been wondering over the last few weeks when he's gone to three in the back when we've been three, four nil up at home and thinking, is he having a little look at this? And he finishes today with it. And when we talk about the channel that people have been having joy against us as well, I wonder, do you think he's tempted to go free at the back against Manchester City and are you? would you be tempted to go free at the back against Manchester City with these two huge Champions League games coming up? I'm not certain he's tempted to start with it, but I think he's very much keeping it as this live option. You know, you, As you say, you've seen it for sort of 10 minutes in games that have been won. Um, today, I think it gets it just gets fast-tracked by the by the fact that Lalana is injured so quickly after coming on. Um, he decides, well, this is I'll make my third change now, rather than you know Lovren coming. It, it was described again by Andy Hinchcliffe as all well, Klopp's gone a bit more conservative here. Uh, I don't think it was at all. He was he was he was doing the next change because he can't can't have four. Um, I don't think I can see him starting with that. I think it is firstly his option if one of the front three gets injured. It's a way of getting a two to work. Uh, you can see, or, or getting a one and a one. If Mane was say going to drop in, as as the tennis juice pointed out, he's he's looking like he's more and more able to do. Um, I think it is a real live option, and he's got three centre backs in there who can play quite well in that system. I think you saw Lovren looking really good as as a, as a sweeper, um, and and perhaps a little bit less pressure off him. I just think it's an important game for him as well to just get through that and come back from you know a couple of setbacks and. And, and look again like a, like a player that we can use because we're going to need to at least for now and, and we'll make the decisions in the summer about, about some of those players like him and like Van Alden. For now, you need them to be buoyed and, and, and feeling good about themselves and, and that looks like that will help. It allowed, it allowed Lovren the freedom as well to go and attack every header, yeah. which which he loves to do, but he didn't have to worry about what was the spacing behind him, did yeah. he? Because he had two, two covering centre-backs. I think it was really, really interesting as well. I felt it was the first time that I've seen him go three at the back that he actually went straight away to two up front. The, the previous times I've seen him do it, he's, he's kind of gone more 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, but it was noticeable that he pulled Salah to the sideline just before he did it uh, and had the conversation about, you, you, you know, you're playing up front now. Um, and that was a real, I think that was a game-changing moment, to be honest, today. And it, it, I do think that is a that is a a real positive option for us in-game. I think it'd be one hell of a shout to start home or away with that in the, in the Champions League semi-finals, particularly at home, I think. But I think if there needed to be an in-game move, even if we were like chasing the game, it gives us a, a different option with two up front. And I'm not sure how well City's centre-halves 
actually would cope with the challenge of of facing you know uh, two up top, you know one versus one versus one for each of them. I think that could give them really a real headache, particularly with Salah's pace there. So it might be a surprise option up his sleeve. I think it's it's, it's a chase in the game option. It's also a kind of break glass. Everything's gone to shit after 20 minutes. <laughs> and, and while he's a very positive manager, he wasn't thinking like that. Manchester City are brilliant and that can happen. Yeah. Liverpool could be 2 0 down at Anfield inside, inside 20 minutes. And then he probably needs a change. And, and that's, that's one of the, the, the cards you know, up his sleeve that, that he can look at now and think this side knows that this will change the game positively for us or has the potential to. Some of that memory is in, in, inbuilt in there. They're a little bit more comfortable doing it and, it, and it's an option. Cue to one of those little, uh, little moments on the, the touchline we always see where Pep Guardiola's scratching his head. You know what I mean? With, with that shift. I think, and I think he would be scratching his head yeah. very much so with that because I think they would have difficulty coping with that, which, which we wouldn't we wouldn't be vulnerable in the uh, the, the central midfield area to be uh, to be outgunned, mm. which we would be in a three four three. Um and, and that's where where the game is won and lost in Pep's mind, isn't it? He wants to he wants to always to have the uh to overload in there to outnumber the opposition and would still be able to compete in there. Um and then to to have that threat up against their centre halves, which I don't think their centre halves actually I don't think that is. Uh, listen, I'm not John Stones' biggest fan. Uh, anyway, I also think Otamendi's rise this season. I think that, that his level of improvement also correlates with the fact that he never has to do anything, you know, defensively. I would like to see what their centre halves are like when they're really. really well, you saw tested. you saw Otamendi in Spain the other night, and he was all over the place. And so you know when, when people are having a go at him, so we shall see on that one. Listen, there'll be lots more looks ahead to Manchester City on tour player throughout the next few days. And there's going to be a review show with with, with Sean Rogers, who who's our uh, who's our experienced coach, who, who does the shows with, with, with along with Neil Atkinson. That will be out on Wednesday morning, which will look at this game, but I'm sure look ahead to the Manchester City game and what he what they would do tactically as well. So that's going to be really interesting. Listen, I'm looking forward to that. There'll be our under the light show, which is our preview to all Champions League action where we're just going to get really really excited about the fact that Anfield's going to be absolutely booming on Wednesday I'll be honest with you there'll be less tactical stuff there but we'll be enjoying ourselves and there's also a couple of really good free shows coming up over the next couple of days we've got a really exciting interview on Monday don't want to give too much away but we've recorded it already and it's really really good uh, an interview with a big LFC star on Monday so we're looking forward to that and we'll still be doing the normal Monday free show that'll be out Tuesday morning but still be doing the free show that we normally do as well as this post-match show you've been able to enjoy for free but as I say I hope you've enjoyed this we do this after every game we're straight to a studio after every game home and away to record these so if you don't subscribe to the Anfield Wrap and you've been thinking about it we think this is a really exciting time for you to do so as Liverpool stride hopefully towards number six but also a really high position in the league so if you have enjoyed it do have a think about subscribing to the Anfield Wrap or let us know whether what you've thought of it but in the meantime huge thanks to Dan to Stu and to Steve and that has been the post-match show for the Anfield Sports Social Podcast Network.